Good evening, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. Uh, before we begin, I want to give two shouts out, shout out, sorry. Uh, one to Jimmy McKay at PT Pinecast for eight years as one of the greatest PT podcast hosts, uh, with a smooth, sexy voice, <laughs> made for radio. And also happy birthday to uh, the president of Karut Staffing Agency, um, one of my sisters, Anisha Karuth Walker. So if you have failed to do so, and Alex is having a birthday this week, so happy birthday in advance, Alex. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I hope you will be enjoying it somewhere, probably at Disney, right? Uh, no, we're going to be here kind of laying low. Um, okay. We're going to Disney next month. The boys, uh, they started private school this year, and uh, next month they get like a Wednesday through the rest of the week off there's like a conference that the school participates in um but we took it off and we'll go to disney and hang out and uh yeah just kind of chill there but uh looking forward to that that's great that's great i hope you enjoy it i wonder why we didn't get like teachers conference and all this stuff when we went to school it seems like we were in school like every single day. <laughs> Man, it, it, honestly, it seems like even when they were in public school that the amount of sc actual school that they go to seems a lot less than when we went to school. Um, there's like a day off for everything. There's a teacher planning day. There's a, you know, just you're off because you're off day and yeah, it's half like days and all of this. So. <laughs> um, but no, ever since they've started private school, it's, it's much more kind of routine, which is good for the kids. And, and obviously my wife who does the picking up and dropping off and, and all that good stuff. So, okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Nick, glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. I was looking forward to this. Uh, it's, it's, it's been too long, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was think like, we need to get him back before he gets to like superstar status. I mean, yeah, yeah. Nick, 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 right. like, Nick's climbing the ranks here. <laughs> never, 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 never. No, I'm just uh... <laughs> so Nick is the first official two time guest. Yes, for Chaz. Ah, I love it. I love it. Two time guest. That's, for that's, Nick. A, that's a that's a badge. That's, that's the pinnacle of my career so far. I will, I wear that badge with honor. So yeah, I think we're just gonna make this a yearly occurrence, and you know, we'll, yeah. we'll always have an episode with you know. That sounds. That sounds. I, I love it. I love it. Like it's an annual thing. Um. Yeah. Actually, yeah. my 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 wife and I were talking on our way back from vacation about like all right, the kids are almost to that age where they're going to be like, we're going to have to do our Disney trip. So like, you know, that week when we go down, we'll set up like a live thing. We get to get get, get something like that while we're in your area down there. Uh, oh, sorry, well, you got to come to Florida, I guess. <laughs> for real, uh, aside from the fact that I can give you some good uh, tips and, and info on, on how to do it there right as cheap as possible. Um, it would I, definitely. I, I will appreciate that because I've seen the prices of Disney, and <laughs> it, it will definitely be an honor to to kind of link up in person and, and do something. So yeah, we'll definitely have to to plan that as, as you guys get Absolutely. ready. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. My dog yeah. just decided that he was going to come and annoy me, and I'm going to let him out before he barks at me. It'll take me three seconds. I'm sorry. No <laughs> That's no problem. <laughs> Alex. This is like a BBC uh, special. You know, they always have some sort of interruption. Oh, yeah, some of the kids coming in <laughs> now. And... All right, we're back. See, last year at this time, I had a I had an office, and uh, mm -hmm. that turned into a nursery. 
and I haven't really set up my office in my basement, which is where I was putting everything. And um, my dog's like, what are you doing out here? You're going to let me out now, right? And I'm like, <laughs> so sorry the about golden, that. Right? What's that? The golden retriever? Golden retriever. Yes. Yes. He's obnoxious. So oh. I'll probably hear him bark in another five minutes and, you know, say, hey, let me back in. But Cooper. Cooper. Okay. All right. Cooper. Cooper's cool. So yes. let's start, let's start off with um, a post that I made yesterday because you know, as a physical therapist staffing company, I do glance ever so often at job postings in my area. And one of the postings I saw that there was a twenty thousand dollars signing bonus uh, for an outpatient clinic in my area. Now, I don't live too far from DC. Um, and we do have a lot of PT schools in, say, the Maryland, uh, DC, sure. Virginia area that will attract students. And um, you were actually one of the first persons to respond. <laughs> it, it, I don't know why, but the picture of Thanos was the first thing that popped in my head, and I'm like, <laughs> it, it, it just it's, it fit. <laughs> it fit. So um, you are in rural Ohio. Yes. Uh, most people would not think of going to a small clinic, uh, especially a small outpatient clinic, unless they are from there. You went back because that's where you were from. Um, the majority of students want to pay off their loans as quickly as possible. So something like a sign-on bonus, especially 20000 will be very attractive to them. So... Any words of caution? I mean, any grace you know, for them? It's, the situation it's, it's, that they're in? I think that's a tough conversation to have. You know, um, I've been pretty open, like, about what I make and, you know, what I did with my loans. I think I've posted a couple times about it. I don't, I don't, you know, shy away from having those conversations. Um, I'm the first person to admit that I am paid probably in the bottom 25% of, of PTs nationally. If you look at like, you know, the, the surveys and, and stuff on Indeed and stuff like that. Um, my, my yearly salary is, is um, just under 80K. Uh, I started about 72 or 73, excuse me, as a new grad. Um, you know, people hear those numbers and I've put those out there and I've been absolutely blasted online for those. You know, I've been made fun of for, you know, taking, you know, pay that's not worthy of what you do and stuff like that. Um, I strongly disagree with them. Would everybody love to get paid more? Yeah, absolutely. But um, that in mind, where I live, the cost of living is low. Um, I had close to $85,000. My wife had about $80,000 in student loan debt. Um, we both worked at the same company. We we're both making about the same. Um, I bought a house with, with five acres and I paid about 155 for that. So um, within, within three years, my wife had her loans paid off and within six um, of graduating, I had mine paid off. Um, there were a lot of different things that, you know, we did differently. You know, we didn't take a lot of vacations. There's a lot, a lot that we need. We weren't living paycheck to paycheck. We weren't living uncomfortably, but we were able to do that. And one of the big trade-offs that I always look at in terms of what I do is I treat pretty much one-on-one. -on -one. I don't have productivity standards. I, I, I swear by that. Um, we take pretty much every insurance. We take Medicaid. We take, you know, the care sources, the Molinas, the, the Affordable Care Act plans that, that pay 55, 60 bucks um, at the company that I work for. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a staff PT there. I'm, I'm not a manager. I've, I've been there for eight years, but 
Um, I'm able to treat at the top of my license. I can do what, what I want or what I deem is necessary. I don't have to have patients come in three times a week. You know, some are one, some are two, some that want to come three do. Um, I almost never push for that. But I realized that by accepting that position, I'm making a trade-off on what my, you know, my maximum reimbursement or, or payment is going to be at this current time. And I'm very much okay with that. But I've also made the decisions, you know, with with with, with my wife and my family included on how we elected to go about things that put me in a position where I'm never going to be rich, but I'm never going to be uncomfortable as long as things are done well. You know, if I, if, if I had to ever get to that point, you know, there are other options within the field that I can chase. Um, so, you know, when I hear those type of things, it's like, be careful what you're getting yourself into that, that, that initial, you know, bump in money, which could be a lot and could go a long way is, is, is valuable. But like, what is your long-term goal? And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to consider in that, in, in what direction you want to take your life professionally, you know, from a financial standpoint. And, um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people have sort of that long-term vision. They see, they see a lump sum dollar and, and that's what they want. So I get it. Um, you know, it's, it's, having that type of debt is, is, is very terrifying, but, um, you know, having, having the degree and the position, the education that a lot of us have sets us up to know how to, to combat that a little bit. I think a lot of people want to be able to still enjoy life, but they don't know the steps. You could tell someone do a snowball debt or, you know, save this or, um, less than you earn and you'll be able to accumulate and get stuff but there's some people who have to have that step-by-step -step method in order to follow it and a lot of us as therapists who have sort of succeeded with stuff we don't actually give them that material so you just wrote a book with another therapist yes um would this be something that you could write? Because there are PTs who are out there giving students and other physical therapists financial advice. I'm not going to call any names. Um, and sometimes a, a lot of them can be very arbitrary. So would you at some point write a book or even if it's an ebook about the step-by-step -step process of paying off a student loan in six years? Um, your wife also being a physical therapist paying it off in three years and able to purchase a home and live within your means because there's some person who could benefit from that uh, that's that, that's that's a great question um you know i don't think i i don't think i would um mm -hmm. and, and and a big reason to that would be is that you know my situation is not equivalent to anybody else it's not equivalent to yours not equivalent to you know you know alex you know I wouldn't want to portray like what my lifestyle is onto to, to other people. You know, I mean, I've got a, you know, I, I don't buy new vehicles. Um, you know, I don't have to have the nice stuff. I live comfortably. I do. I really do. But I also, you know, I don't need to live in, in a city where, you know, with my salary, I couldn't live in, in, in Washington, D.C. I couldn't live in Orlando, you know, at the level that I do in Jefferson, Ohio. Um, you know, I, I strongly encourage people to come to communities like this because there is a need and, and you can find good positions 
And, you know, you can, you could do that if that's what you want. But like, again, we talk about like what you're seeking out of life. And, and, and if your, your values don't align with that, like you're not going to do well and you're going to be miserable for five years. Okay. What's, okay, you're going to burn out because you're trying to be more financially stable in somewhere you love, or are you going to be more burnt out because you're financially stable in an area you don't? Um, but, uh, I'm not sure what lost. happened to Mo there, but, Maybe. but that's all right. Well, she's coming back. I'm going to let the dog in the last time. All right. There you go. There we go. I think that was StreamYard. But, uh, you disappeared and I, and I had to let the dog back in cause he was okay. being obnoxious again. But, um, Anyways, yeah. So uh, going back to that, like, you know, that's that's really hard for me to prioritize somebody else's life. You know what I mean? Um, um, well, we, I think the biggest thing is there there comes a, a certain level of maturity that, that comes with, with making these decisions. Right. Um, I find that probably within the last couple of years. Uh, obviously more so as I've had my my boys, your priorities in life change, right? So I think if we all go back for the most part to when we were, you know, mid-20s coming out of PT school, like what we envisioned, I would say, at least for me, is a little different than what I'm what I'm living now and what's important to me now, right? So it's real easy to get caught up in this you know, oh my gosh, look at all this money that I'm making. And you usually you're thinking about all the different ways that you can spend that money, right? Because what we value at that time is a little bit different. What I value right now is, man, I would wholeheartedly come be your neighbor, Nick, because like, what he's out of I, the getters, man. He's out of the getters. <laughs> <laughs> It's just what you value now. Like what I value now, man, is there's a lot more peace that I value now, mm-hmm. right? That's I don't a really good way to put it. I don't need all these fancy toys. Like you, you know, you you mentioned buying new vehicles. Like, like I've made so many car mistakes, man, that I hope now that I've learned my lesson. I feel like I have. I've done it, I've made the same mistake enough times to say, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. right but it's that young we come into money right like a, yeah. most of us that most of us that come get you spent so many years waiting for that first paycheck you know what exactly. i'm saying like yeah <laughs> i can afford this yes yeah. and sometimes you, you, you think you lie to yourself can. because you can't can afford, afford it you know what i mean you know but you're like no i want this yes this is, this is what i've been waiting for like I wanted this the whole time, right? When I was 18, 19, this is what I looked forward to doing. And then you get it and you're like, well, shit, like it's cool, but, but what now? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I I think that to, to your point of writing a book, like, I don't think you're ever going to get to that when you're writing a book and the person you're trying to target, they're not that in my opinion, not that new grad, not that young professional, because I think every young professional wants to taste what they've worked so hard for. You know, you made a good point. You know, we've all made financial mistakes. You know, I mean, all right. My first year of PT school, I was in 11 weddings or attended or in. I, I totaled up the math one day in the clinic between travel and everything. And this is my first year practicing. I was, you know, I, I was 
dating my wife, but I was, I was single, you know, and this is my first year with a, a, a big boy paycheck. <laughs> I spent over like $10,000 that year in traveling, watching everything and everything. I was in like five. Okay. Wait, wasn't and there a movie about 11 dresses or something? Yeah, like right, that? right. I didn't even know I had that many friends, but you know, I look back and every one of those memories was like, it's a core memory. I enjoyed every single wedding I was in. There's no way I would change what I did. $10,000 principal, take half of that onto my loans would have been something like $7,000 in interest or something over the course of their loan. You know what I mean? Like, it's, is it a mistake? I don't know. But like, you know, like you said, there's, there's different priorities and, and, you know, I could have been done sooner, but I wasn't. And, and, you know, you, you have to find that right balance, I think is, is, is the key. And, you know, now I have a truck that's got 140,000 miles. It's rusting around the wells and I'm like, it's a good truck. It drives fine. You know, um, <laughs> it gets me too working. So, you know, life is, life is, life is weird like that. And, and I think it's just, you know, so important when you talk about, you know, the financial, you know, implications of where you work and what you do and, you know, you know, prioritizing where you're at at your point in life. And and I get it. I get it. I don't think you can fault anybody for making those decisions. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's where a lot of people get very defensive because like when you're saying you don't necessarily need these things, like, yes, you don't need them. But in that moment they did, you know, we're not passing judgment on somebody for making that decision for what was important for them at that person time. It's just, it's just like when we're treating patients, you know, I might not be the right PT for that patient at that point in time, but maybe later I'm going to be, you know, those type of conversations I think need to be had a little bit more, more nuanced. You know, I get it. I get it. What it's like when you're 24 years old and you're finally having money for the first time after scraping by for seven, eight years in, 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 in school and not having money to go on vacation or do the fun things, especially when you have friends who graduated and went into the trades and are making 60, 70, $80,000 when they're 22 years old and they're buying, all these new toys, cars, side by side, whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I, I certainly can't fault people for that either. I'm, and, and on the flip side of that post, Mo, like I, I now, again, what I would say a, a, a seasoned vet in this game, I'm going to, I have some questions. If somebody's offering me 20 grand to come work for them, what am I giving them? Right. Like, what am I giving them? Because it's not like, oh, Alex, you just got a nice smile. Like, you want to come work for me? Like, let me give you 20K. Right. Like, there's absolutely strings attached to that. And I can't imagine many outpatient clinics in today's physical therapy world that have 20 grand liquid. Right. So you're not getting the 20 grand all at once. You're probably getting four or five a year and they're going to spread it out over four or five years or however they design it. Right. So it's all these things that you have to think about. But again, all you see is 20 K you're like, what? 20 K done That's money. That's a lot of money. Right. For some people that pays off a car that pays off, you know, years worth of living, whatever. It's significant amount of money. We're not talking about chump change. But to all of our younger, newer professionals who are watching, like, ask yourself, what am I giving in exchange for this? Because uh, mm -hmm. you're absolutely giving something and you need to make the decision is if what you're giving is truly worth the 20K that you're going to get and everything that comes with it. So Josh Funk mentioned that it could mean a three-year commitment. So 
probably that's 10, uh, sorry, uh, about five grand spread out uh, over the three years. But what sort of questions would you encourage a new grad to ask if they're interested in a job like that? I mean, in, in, in that situation, I have to ask about productivity standards. You know, I mean, what do you what are you asking me to do? And, um, you know, on top of that, knowing what you're allowed to do, you know, and 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 this kind of goes back to like one of the reasons that, that, that the, the book that Penny and I wrote, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of clinicians don't understand that your license is tied to what you bill. And. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my, I was having a conversation with my boss today. He had talked to a, a friend of his who works for a very big box and you know, I won't name any names or whatever uh, company. And he's like, you know, they want us to double book, you know, Medicare and charge full. And, you know, the thing is, is that big company who's got stakeholders and, and money, they don't care. They'll pay the fine if they get audited. But you know what happens? You lose your license. You know, you need to be aware of that and you need to know what power that your license holds. And, and that goes for any profession. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm literally 30 miles down the road from hurdle and Brown, which is one of the biggest Medicare, you know, outpatient frauds in the last, you know, 20 years, you know, there are like 18 clinicians, PTs and PTAs who are all losing their license. Yeah. They've got to pay all of that back. They're going to like, they're, they'll never practice again. Uh, they're going to face all of these disciplinary things. The company itself, the, the company is going to pay the fine. It may eventually, you know, reopen or continue on. But every one of those clinicians who, whether they knowingly or unknowingly were billing fraudulently, that's on them, you know, and, you know, that would be the number one thing I would ask because like Alex just said, 20K mm -hmm. profit margins for 20K sitting around are not there in ethically ran physical therapy outpatient settings. Like it's not, um, it doesn't mean it won't be over time. But it's not like that's just something is something is amiss there. Um, yeah. I think so ask about productivity. What else would what, what, what else would you ask and, about? And, and just and just culture in general. Like why haven't they been able to fill that? And, and and it's not always you know it's a bad culture of a company. Our company had a position open for months, and I think we are in in, in terms of how we practice a top one percent in the in, in the country. Um, you know, especially given the. The, the nightmares I hear, uh, but nobody want to come here. Not, all right, fair. It's, it's very hard to find any type of PT that wants to come out into into this area. That's fine. Um, and again, part of that goes back to what we talked about about like they don't understand like that salary is very livable out here. Um, you know, the average income in the county is twenty five thousand dollars, so you know um, you're going to be okay. But you know, you'll you want to find out on the yeah, you want to find okay. out what the culture is. Um, yeah. You know, are are these people that you want to work for? Are they people that are going to provide you mentorship, especially if you're a new grad? Getting thrown to the wolves is very, very difficult. You know, um, I was fortunate that, you know, where I got hired, I was a student for 15 weeks leading up to it. And then I had a like a three month transition where I worked as an athletic trainer because I still have my athletic training license. But like so I was able to kind of continue to, to meld myself in. I was with them for, for over six months before I was even practicing as a PT. Um, but you know, finding whether there's there's that mentorship of, of, or somebody that you can learn from. If you're just walking in and all of a sudden you got six evals day one, it's like figure it out. 
that probably speaks volumes, even though that's a singular instance, that probably speaks volumes about the type of, of, of culture that that company perpetuates. So I think that those are your two big, you know, red flag things that you want to look at and, and, you know, address before you would consider taking an offer like that. I would, I would add to that what your, your exit strategy is, right? So like, let's just say everything on the surface looks okay. Like, yeah, I want to do this for 20 K you get into it and you're like, man, this is not it. This is just not the right fit for me. What's my cost. What am I in for? What do I owe you if I want to leave? Right? Because there's a good possibility you got to pay some of that money back or that there's some sort of penalty, right? Potentially. Mm -hmm. So I would want to know how, what happens if I want to get out? right? You're giving me, you're promising me this money. Um, what if I don't like it? What if I want to leave? What do I have to pay you money? Do I have to give you X amount of time before you let me free and clear? You know, I think that would be an, an also thing. We talk about it with business owners, having an exit strategy. When are you ready to, to, to step away? It's no different here. Um, because again, you're not just taking a regular job where they're going to give you a paycheck for work that you've done, right? They're trying to entice you, uh, to come work for them for whatever reason, um, with this money up front. So I'd be curious to know what requirements I have if I do decide that, that this isn't what I want to do. Definitely. So do you think we, as what would I say, more senior therapists have an obligation to uh, report the unethical practices in, in practice. I know I, I just left and decided to do my own thing. And that's probably the path that a lot of therapists who have their own business on doing one-on-one -on -one care did. But yet the big box companies still continue to thrive, buying up all these smaller practices. So are we doing ourselves an injustice by letting the cycle continue? I, I mean, I mean, I think we are. I mean, it's, it's very tough because in order to, you know, you know, identify that you have to have a very good understanding of how, you know, the billing system works in terms of, you know, just because something's legal doesn't make it ethical. You know, you can do a lot of unethical, unethical shit that's still technically legal. Mm -hmm. You can put four Anthem patients together, have them treated by an aide, talk to each one for five minutes and bill them all for, a, you know, you know, full hour session and then have like a PTA over here treating a Medicare patient. And you've got two clinicians treating, billing out 20 units. Ethical? No. Mm -hmm. Legal? Given your contract? Yeah, probably. Um, doesn't make it right. You know, you're, you're, you're starting to, you know, really, really sort of blur those lines. Now you go somewhere and you're treating three Medicare patients at the same time and your management says you need to bill all, all three of them or, you know, for one-on-one -on -one care, then that's illegal. So, but you have to have enough you know, evidence to really bring that forward and, um, you know, go through that process because that takes a long time. Um, but if you do, 
whistleblowers get like 15% back to 30% back, you know? I mean, the people who like blew the You know what? I kind of wish I knew that early. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I heard on Brown right up here. It was like a $14.7 million thing or something like that. The, the whistleblower got somewhere in the ballpark of, I think like 2.7 million. Like you can look at, I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but like they got a lot of money. <laughs> like they're getting a lot of money. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, to me, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it should be honest, but everybody's so comfortable just, just accepting the status quo. And like, they're like, I'm just going to leave. And you know, it is a lot of headache to, to, to bring about something like that. And you know, the PT world is a small world, like, and, and just like anything you, you become that person. Oh, you're, you know, you get a reputation or something like that. It's going to be hard for you to find work. Um, you know, at times, especially locally, you be that person. Cause you know, if we're being honest, everybody looks one way or the other when it comes to certain, certain, you know, nuances in a plan of care. Like, all right, like, I'm going to hold you over for like three minutes. I'm gonna do a little bit of dry needling with you. I know I'm not going to get paid by the insurance company. I'm going to bill it. We're not going to get paid, but you know, I'm going to do that because that helps you, you know? So, you know, there are little things here or there, or ah, I might've missed that research by one day. I'm going to go back and do it now because I just missed it by one day. You know, some things like that happen in the plan of care as long as you're, you know, making an effort, but to to make sure that you're you're, you're going back and correcting those errors. But I think sometimes every now and then things get missed. It's human nature. Um, you know, as as critical as I am on it, I can't sit here and say I've never made a billing error. Uh, and and I don't think there's a single therapist practicing who could say that uh, because we all miss things at some point or you know, there's so much, you know, open to interpretation that we all make that mistake, but, you know, you have to call out the blatantly unethical practices. And at some point we have to step up and say, Hey, this is, this is our license. This is, this is me making this decision. And I'm not going to do what you want me to do just because it's going to make you more money. Uh, do you think also as therapists, um, we ought to put ourselves in a position to understand the business side of it, the billing, uh, how, units are built, understand how we are reimbursed so that the gap could be closed uh, between employer and staff therapist because you have people coming out of school expecting a certain um, salary, but if insurance cuts keep happening and again, the return on investment is not as high Absolutely. We're going to be stuck at some point with a lot of therapists with degrees, but no work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you, and you guys now, you guys are both home health. So you guys have seen the, the reduction this past year. And, you know, I started practicing in 2015 and Medicare payment is down from where it was at that point. Okay. I have to understand this. Um, and from a business perspective, I understand that if I'm getting paid less now than what I was eight years ago and inflation is still rising, it is very difficult for me to ask for more money. Like, you know, you, there's a logistic there that you can't argue. Regardless of what you think your value is, I don't care what you think your value is. You don't have the ability to, to dictate necessarily what we're getting reimbursed unless we collectively improve, you know, the way that we deliver care. Um, Oh, you know, reimbursement is an easy thing for me to complain about in terms of, you know, being in an outpatient level um, because I'm in private practice. The same exact treatment I provide across the street will reimburse about 250% more than what, what I get. It could be me across the street working for the Cleveland Clinic 
YMCA branch and they'll get, you know, instead of $80 per session, they'll get 175. And I mean, like, that's not an exaggeration. I literally have copies of those bills. Um, you know, so it's not always reimbursement. It's just a matter of we have not leveraged our power appropriately. And we have to start doing it at the individual level because I don't think you're ever going to see a mass change unless enough individuals are actually doing it. And most individuals don't really understand that. And, you know, it goes back to, again, you know, you know, one of, one of the reasons I wrote the book that I did with, with Penny was I wanted to do something because I complain about this stuff a lot, but I want to do something concrete. Like, all right, I'm not just being performant. I'm not just getting online and bitching. I'm not just like sending out a series of tweet numbers like, oh yeah, that sounds good. No, that's like, that's not the point. And that's not me doing what, what I think is most appropriate. Like every student I have needs to understand this. this is how you determine your worth. You know, I'm sorry, but if you want to treat every patient, you know, and I think you see it online, these new grads will come out and they'll be like, I'm going to treat all the underserved populations. I'm going to take Medicaid. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to make $150,000 a year. No, you're not. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in the current system that we have, that is not feasible. It doesn't mean we don't have room for improvement. It doesn't mean we can't get to that point, but that is not feasible in our current system. Illinois reimburses $19 for Medicare or Medicaid, excuse me. Like it's like $9 a unit and they only accept TE 97110. This stuff is all like, you can find this stuff online, Medicare and Medicaid. You want to know how much you get reimbursed? Google it. It is all online. It is public knowledge. Like you want to know how much your Medicaid patient's paying and you want to know how much your Medicare patient's paying? Those fee schedules are published. Likewise, you can use that and take it and go go talk to your, you know, your, your higher ups about where you should be from a reimbursement standpoint. You work for a hospital system. There's no reason you should be making less money than me. You know, yeah. And that's a good point because I, I was I was going to bring that up. I mean, a lot of times you might hear people say, "Well, I don't I don't have any interest in owning my own business or my own practice, so I don't really need to learn the business." I'm like, no, learning the business is how you're going to get paid more, because math is math. There is no way that you can change that, right? So if you know what you're generating for your employer, because you understand the billing, you understand the business then you have the concrete data, assuming that they share it with you or you have a way of retrieving this information because not everybody's just going to give it to you. Right. Um, you know, you have the way to say, well, listen, I build X amount of dollars in this time frame. I make X amount of dollars. That gap is a little wide. Mm -hmm. So how can we go about making it a little bit smaller, right? That's concrete data that you can use to help as opposed to just saying, well, I'm a DPT. I live in, uh, you know, Tampa and I should make this. Like you don't have any objective data. The data is there if you understand it and know how. You, you, you know that they don't care about that. They're going to Google on Indeed and check the salary range for therapists it doesn't matter if they're a new grad or whatever all they're seeing is that the range is therapists between 85 and 100 and they're gonna think look i know who i am i want 100 because this is how i, I want to live well and here's the thing i mean this is you know the great country of the united states of america we got the freedom to ask for whatever it is that we want 
Now, as a business owner, we're all going to make decisions as to what fits best for our business, right? But I'm more likely to sit down and actually have a conversation with somebody who's talking to me with objective information as opposed to somebody who is just, you know, making up stuff. Like I had the opportunity, one of my first jobs, we would actually get a report of what we generated in that previous year, right? So we would get this report and I would sit down with our clinic manager and I'd be like, hey, this is what I did last year. This is what I'm getting paid. And these are my benefits because we have to take that into account. Yes. It's not just it's not just what my check says, mm -hmm. right? It's insurance, overhead, my, PTO, everything. It's, it's my check, my my health insurance, my PTO, and and all these other things that I get. Um, which a lot of times, depending on your situation, is a little bit more valuable or can be more valuable than if it were in your check, right? Depending on your financial situation, depending on how, um, excuse me, disciplined you are and, and all that stuff. But I had the opportunity to kind of talk this with my manager. Um, and eventually we just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm, this isn't the right fit for me, not because of the job, the environment or anything. It was just a pure financial decision. But I had the information. I understood the information to make the decision that's like, okay, I, I need to go elsewhere, right? So I, I think learning the business for anybody, whether you want to be a business owner or not, it is very, very important. So another thing that I've noticed too, um, <clears throat> therapists who've been practicing for a certain amount of years, um, at this point should understand that reimbursement rates are decreasing. However, they want to be compensated for the years that they've been practicing. Now, some may have done stuff to improve their skills, but as an outpatient practice owner or manager, I mean, you can't just go around saying, I'm going to give you this because you've been practicing for 10 years, 15 years. Stuff like it, it doesn't make sense. So how can an owner reason with someone like that? Because, again, if I look at it, if you're contributing to marketing the business, yes, I could give you an added perk. But a lot of therapists just want to come and work. They don't want to contribute to the marketing, the sales, or getting clinic exposure. I, I think that's a really great point. It's something I think about a lot. Um, you know, like I said, I... I I'm, I'm just a staff PT. Um, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really have any say in a lot of this stuff. Now we're a small company. Me and my boss are the only two full-time PTs. Um, we've got four full-time PTAs. My, my, my wife is part-time PT and, um, and we have another older um, PT who's like sort of like pseudo retired, but, um, you know, I want. How many clients do you guys have? We have two and we are eventually going to be opening a third here, like in November. Okay. Um, I, you know, we're, we're kind of in like a little bit of a transition because we just moved from one clinic to another and whatever. But like, you know, I have these conversations with, with, with my boss and, you know, I, I think he sees that I, I really try to promote the, com the company as well. Like I, I do like our, our Facebook page a lot and, and things like that. And, um, I really try to build, um, 
you know, you know, strong connections within the community, you know, um, you know, to get people to come in and people come in a lot. We get a lot of direct access evals and, you know, my putting myself out there as a, um, putting myself out there as a, a PT, just as a staff PT, like I want people to come see me. I want, I want people to trust me. I want people to think that, you know, I'm at least relatively okay at what I do. And, and I want my reflection to be a positive reflection on the company that I'm working for, because if I'm bringing in people, you know, if I keep my schedule full, I want my schedule full a week in advance. I don't want somebody to be able to call on Wednesday and be able to get in to see me on Friday. I want, and, and as much as I'd want to squeeze somebody in, but like, I want to keep my schedule full because I want to show that there's value there and that I'm doing my best to, to bring money into the, into the, um, company as well. And, you know, I think maybe you Mo as, as a business owner with staff and stuff like that would probably have a, a, would hopefully appreciate that mindset because I do understand a little bit that like, if I'm not seeing patients, you know, all right, today, my four o'clock eval, no show. I sat there, I did a couple of discharges. I'm getting paid for that hour. I didn't bring any money in that hour. You come in and you treat four patients a day in an eight hour day, you're either going to be working less or you're not going to be making as much. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, you know, I want fair compensation. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, lowballed by an employer, but I also understand that. And I, I hope that like, you know, as an employee, I want to show my employer that I'm also in this in a two way street. I think that if you create that open means of communication, you're more likely to have, you know, a, a, a positive outcome. And I mean, from your aspect as an, as, as somebody who employs, you know, obviously, you know, multiple, multiple staff, I would hope that, you know, you kind of like, if I told that to you, you'd be reciprocating to me. Oh, most, most definitely. Um, I know some, look, I was a staff therapist once I was young and if there was a no show, I would find something to do, you know, maybe document a note, maybe watch an episode on, uh, what was the big thing then? <laughs> you find something to you be like you know yeah you know somebody's it's my time if somebody doesn't show but you don't think that you know what the owner still has to pay me uh, a salary uh there's still overhead costs there's still administrative costs you're not thinking like that but as you get older and you get into the business side of it you're like you know what every minute every hour there is a cost associated with you having a therapist. Now, uh... Mo's having some technical issues today. I uh, know. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the more you are able to show that you've invested in the company, right, as a staff PT, I, I think for the most part, most owners are going to be appreciative of it. And hopefully they have the means to reward you in some form or fashion. And, and, and again, it doesn't always have to necessarily be in your check, right? Because yeah. there's other ways for you to be compensated that doesn't necessarily end up in your pocket. Um, so, yeah, I, I think having that mindset, that attitude of we need to give everything to this company while we're here because if we're being valued and respected we're gonna get that back and more than likely we're gonna get that back you know in a much more meaningful way mm -hmm. um and i think that's the biggest thing is like 
we have to obviously it's hard to to go away from the pure financial because of student loans like we've discussed the the increasing cost of living inflation and all these things that make it much more difficult for us to just say hey you know what i can take less or don't worry about it right like it's not just easy to do that now but there is other ways that you can put forth the effort into your company your job and and, and hopefully be able to to kind of get um i think something that's important like like kind of like that that like is just coming to me right now is like you know the three of us are talking right now as as people who worked for smaller companies or, or owned you know a smaller company and you know that really does affect reimbursement rates you know especially when you talk about commercial payers um, so, you know, I think, I think it was the other day, like physiogram reposted something that you, you had posted Mo and it had, I, I was just glancing through it at lunch today and it had like 200 comments of like, you know, I think you'd ask why people are leaving profession and they're like, we're not respected. We're not this, we're not that, you know, and everybody was just, just, just destroying the employers. Now, in some cases, I think that's very fair, you know, like, I mean, like big box and stuff like that, who are, you know, who are making $250 because they've been able to negotiate a better, a better, um, reimbursement package with Anthem because, you know, they have bigger bargaining power than a lot of us, us smaller companies. I think there's there's a fair gripe there. And, you know, the hospital systems, you know, there's no reason that that PTs in the hospital system right down the road for me should be making, you know, less money than me, period. You know, you miss me with the, the, the concept of, you know, the, oh, well, you have more resources available. You're at a YMCA. Stop it. You, you don't have any more resources available than I do. Um, at, a, at a standalone outpatient clinic, but you know that's what happened, and we've we've allowed that to happen. There's been no pushback in terms of recognizing these real problems by the majority of leadership in the profession or the majority of academia. These these these, these things aren't talked about at school. You know, I don't know anybody who's gone through PT school and has had these conversations. And and I've taken students and I've talked to people online from all over the country. These conversations are not happening. We we we've let this happen, and. At the end of the day, you want to make more money? Sure, go work for like one of those bigger companies. That's cool. Like, but be armed with the stuff we just talked about. Be armed with how much you know you're making. You know, when you're getting 230% of what I'm getting for one unit, you should be making a little bit more. Okay. Even with even with increased overhead working through a hospital system, you should be making more. You know, and and I think we need to, you know, be aware of that. You know, the three of us are talking here is, I mean. You know, people who are involved in the smaller, uh, you know, the smaller business aspect of things. But most of these, you know, younger generation of PTs are ending up in these big conglomerates that 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 are, are abusing them and and um, really hurting, you know, what our viewpoint of the profession is and what it what it really can be. For sure. Yep. We, well, I, I briefly want to touch on what Raphael, one of our viewers, just, uh, mentioned where he said, that the model of paying them for every client that they see would work for everyone. And, and I've had that conversation um, with other therapists and, and stuff like that. We, we, we um, do that for home health. Well, that's what I was going to say, right? So yeah. <laughs> is what I was going to get is because home health is basically a pay per visit model for the most part. Since the reimbursement cuts, a lot of going, a lot of them are going towards salary, but most were doing per DM, which is per patient visit, depending on the unit. So I, I think it works well in the home health uh, environment. I, I think in the the outpatient, 
it, it could be tricky, right? Because it, for instance, in the home health environment, I don't have to worry about finding the patients, right? Because I contract with agencies or whatever the case may be. They bring the patients to me. I go see them. I take care of the clinical. I get paid. How, how exactly that would work in, in outpatient? And then Nick, you may have some more insight on this is, you know, now if each therapist is only getting paid per whatever patient they see, now they, they have a responsibility and a duty to bring those patients in somehow, right? right. So it's like a commercial now, model. Say it again, yeah. Mo. It's like, well, we can't pay them like a commission because that would be unethical. But, you know, if, if you are a clinic, and you love the clinic that you're in and you market like you have social media presence you bring people in yes talk to the owner maybe you guys can negotiate something but you're contributing to the culture that you're in if you want to stay busy put it out there that i want to stay busy if you think that you're the shit or you're the man or the woman bring in people so yeah you just have a house that you're bringing people in yeah. And I think that's important. Like, but I think that's also like, that's what the cash PT model is. And, and the cash PT model works really well for some people in certain areas. Both of you, where you guys live could make a very successful cash PT model. You could find your niche. You could find the right people. You could market to them. It takes one good location and you will be set. I can't do that. I would fill 10 slots a week, maybe cash based at like a hundred dollars a session. It, it doesn't exist. So what's hard is, you know, you have to rely on people. You know, you have a higher cancellation no-show rate among people who have lower socioeconomic status. That's not a knock. That is the reality of it. You look through the statistics in our area and, and with our clinic who take all of the different insurances, the highest cancellation no-show rate are people who are on Medicaid or, or Affordable Care Act plans. Again, that is not necessarily their fault. I'm not placing blame on them. It is a result of the system that we were in, but those are the ones where you typically see the highest cancellation no-show rate. So I can fill up my schedule. I started today with eight patients. I finished with six. It's, you know, is that my fault? You know, two of them were evals. I don't know why they couldn't make it, but you know, they couldn't, I haven't even had a chance to, to build like any rapport with them or whatever. Some days I'll come in and I'll treat all eight patients. Um, you know, and also a lot of times, you know, uh, patients who try to get in, I'm like, oh, well, you can go, see, you can work with this PTA or something. If I have a cancel, I'll pull one over to my schedule. You know, that's not fair to my PTA if we had that model. Um, but, you know, there are, there's a lot of nuances. Um, it's, it's just, it's just kind of a little bit challenging when, you know, you're in that, in that realm, but for the cash PT model, for the people who fit into that, by all means, I'm not, you know, I'm not trashing the cash PT model or anything like that, but like that does work very well for them. And there's some people who are very successful with the cash PT model. And I'm, I'm, I'm pro capitalism in that aspect. You provide a good service and people will pay for your service. Great. Do it. Get your bag. I don't care the way that I like to practice. I'm not going to be in that situation. You know, like, yeah, I, I, I think on paper and, and, Theoretically, it should work across the board, um, but I think for some of the reasons that you mentioned, it, it does become challenging depending on where you're located, who your primary patient population is. Like all those factors do come into it. And quite frankly, there's some therapists that, you know, they just want to treat patients and, and go home, and that's okay. Yeah, and that's okay, right? So, how is 
is the expectation then that that particular therapist is just going to make less um, because they don't want to put in the work to build their caseload? You know, it, it gets kind of kind of challenging depending on, on definitely on where you are and, and some of that stuff. Now, I, I kind of want to pivot real quick away from from the finance stuff. Nick, I think it must it was within the last couple months you posted something that kind of made me think and I was like, you know what, like makes you kind of think of it. You had your first negative experience or your negative review. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think. From that, a person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it is it is on our Google Facebook page. Anybody is more than welcome to go read it. Um, yeah, that was uh, generally unkind, but that's okay. I um, yeah. So it happens. My, and that's the thing. Like I, I think initially is like we all have this idea of, you know, we're just providing the best care. That's just what we do. That is how we operate. You know, we bill. We do everything ethically. We are practicing at the top of our license. But what I tell people all the time is like, we're in the people business. And a lot of what we do is meaningless if you can't make that connection. And sometimes you can do your very best to make that connection and that connection will not be made. Yeah. Right? Doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And, and, and this was a great example too. This, this, this session went incredibly well. I showed her some, I showed, I showed the patient some new exercises. She was taking pictures of like things on her phone that she could buy at home. She called back 20 minutes after she had left. Hey, I wanted to ask about this exercise you gave me. And I said, yeah, yeah. You know, and I took time away from the other patient that I was working with to go answer her questions on the phone. Um, when she had called back like a week and a half later, um, I had, I had even tried to call. I left a message. Hey, I'd like to talk to you. I uh, never got anything back. You know, the thing that I had told her, I, I wasn't going to do an, a, a treatment that was highly contraindicated for, for her situation um, and, and tried to explain that it was 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 my license at risk because just because her, you know, her, her, her surgeon had said that it would be OK. I said, no, this isn't I can't do this, um, you know, and, and you know, I'm not violating any type of it. This is all in the review um, if anybody wants to read it. Uh, but, you know, I felt you know, like it was a really good session. And, and then that kind of took me by surprise and, you know, it, it hurt to see, um, for something like that. And I understand I'm not for everybody. That's cool. I, I realize it's another learning experience and, you know, I mean, I made it, I made it nine years or how, eight years, how long I've been practicing nine, you know, before having something like that. And, and that's okay. Uh, you know, it was just a really good, um, you know, learning experience. And I, I got to reflect on it. And, you know, that post I made was, you know, just kind of my musings. It was a little bit catharsic for me to, to kind of put it out there. I want people to see that, like, you know, I share a lot of, you know, successes, but you know, I'm very much human and I, I, I'm going to fail more times than I will succeed. And, you know, I go through discharges all the time and, you know, this patient only came one or two visits. Okay. What did I do wrong? You know, I, I think every single therapist has that. And, and, you know, I, I think sometimes we need to share that there's a little bit of a human, you know, aspect of this. And um, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a humbling experience, um, but a very valuable one too. So uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was fun a month or so or two months ago or however long it was. Yeah. And, and I bring it up specifically for that point and, and more so for our new colleagues or our colleagues that are just getting started. It's going to happen it's going to happen, right? Like 
we all even business owners it, it happens it happens yeah we're we're, we're going you're going to end up in a situation where you could have done everything right and it just didn't work mm -hmm. but it's okay it's okay because like you mentioned before like we're not perfect we make mistakes across the board but as long as you're putting forth your best effort doing everything that is within your control man it's just not gonna click go look at surgeons you know any surgeon who has reviews online is filled with they messed up my surgery i don't believe that we have an epidemic of surgeons who are going in and performing surgery and they're trying to fail and mess up people's lives every surgeon you look at on google has a plethora of bad reviews yeah. you know bigger payday bigger bigger responsibility you know whatever you want to call it and and you know they they have to bear the brunt of that like they're humans too you think it feels good trying to go home and 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 read that like you know this person thinks you ruined their life like no like they're they're still empathetic they're still in healthcare they they want to help you they didn't go in just to, to do that for fun but you know i mean you go look and it's 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 a it's a it, it's an eye-opening experience and, and you know you you always have to have the perspective of, of where you are at, in, in life and and you know clinical practice and, and everything like that because you know i mean i'll fail as a parent and a, a spouse and, and and all of that stuff too and you know you have arguments with your kids and you have arguments with your wife and you have arguments with your friends and it's no different than the interactions you have with your patients you you take those moments to learn and, and, and move forward yeah absolutely it's again it's understanding that we, we're in a, a people business right we're, we're customer service driven um and you're just interacting with people and and just like you had interactions outside of work where it didn't necessarily go as you would have liked it's just part of life mm -hmm. it's just part of life you know and, and because you do it at work and in a professional setting doesn't really change that um but again it, it, it's a good um uh, reminder to to everyone new seasoned that it's just gonna happen because it's it's part of part of the job it's part of the job but um well as as we get close to to wrapping up nick um obviously always a pleasure to have you on uh you know we'll switch over just to the the family life a little bit because i know the last time we spoke to you you were just a father of one <laughs> um, now uh you are a father of two so how has that been for you and and what have you learned in, in the last <laughs> year of, of having a second child oh boy it's uh, i mean it's it, it's great it's it, it's it's a blessing it is a learning experience it is um the greatest and the hardest thing that you will ever go through um you know i go to work for eight hours a day i'm like this is so much easier. Um, <laughs> it is, man. It is. I'm like, oh, I only have to take care of one person at a time here. Like, <laughs> um, but um, yes, Lexi, uh, my daughter just turned one um, last week, so uh, everything was. was really good. I, think last, I think last time, like, I think I was like, I should be good for the podcast as long as my wife doesn't go into labor. So it's been almost a year uh, or a yeah. little over, but. Uh, <laughs> No, it's been it's been great, and uh, you know I have I I've been very very blessed and fortunate. Um, 
to, to have two healthy kids. Um, I've been seeing a lot of pediatrics in, in the clinic lately. You know, I had an 18 month old or 16 month old the other day and I had a 12 month old the uh, last month. And I've got like a couple of three and five year olds and I'm like, it makes me paranoid a little bit. Like, I'm like, all right, she was walking. Okay. We need to do this. I'm like, all right, quadruped, get those legs up. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, a, it's, it's really been, um, a, a great experience and, and I'm thrilled about it. Uh, my wife's been able to basically go down to like PRN, like she works like twice a week and it's kind of nice to have her at home, be able to, you know, help with raising the kids and, and, you know, doing what she really values and, you know, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing to it's, be it's, able it's, to have. It's a your... wonderful experience. It really is. Yeah, it truly is a blessing to be able to have your spouse, um, you know, be at home with your your kids and and be the main one, leading you know that that charge. And and to your point, man, like, you know, what we do in work is is much easier compared to the the job that we do at home, um, because it, it's 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 a lot of work, man. It's not a work. It, it's mm -hmm. Uh, my wife and I watched the show and the initial quote was, you know, marriage isn't for punks. Um, but I, I've also put that into parenting is not for punks because um, you've got to be, uh, you've got to be strong, strong individuals to be able to do it. But like you said, it, it is the most rewarding thing that, that you'll do. And, you know, I pray that, that your kids and, and family continue to, to grow and be healthy and, and all that good stuff, man. Absolutely. Well, I thank you guys. I, I've, I've, again, really, really enjoyed getting to, to catch up with you guys again. And, and I'd love to make it a yearly thing, you know. You, oh, we're uh, absolutely I always, uh, we're I always absolutely enjoy Yeah, you, no, you and um, Smoke PT promise that you're going to have a grill off. And I'm gonna be the taster because Alex is gonna compete. So when That's, you guys figure out the location, we've got to figure that out. I agree. I, agree. I, don't know. I, I, I Again, at the stage of life that I'm at, I, I think I might be willing to travel to Ohio in the summer and and hang out. You know, <laughs> there you uh, go. There you go. Well, uh, in, in some peace and tranquility next to like a lake or something. So there we go. We've got um, we've got we've got lots of those around here. They're not big, but <laughs> they're fine. Uh, <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to get together. But thank you again, buddy. I really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, again, it's an it's an honor to be uh, included in conversation with both of you guys. So, oh, well, pleasure. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thanks for the comments, Raphael. We saw a lot of them, and we need to get you on the podcast. So this is an open pitch and invitation to you. Um, again, follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and also our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week and have a great evening. Happy birthday, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday. I appreciate you.